Well, friends, we've had a, a sort of two-week um, uh, break over half-term from our current uh, sermon series, and we had a great couple of messages from John and Jeff during that time. But now today, we're sort of picking up um, uh, for the final week of our sermon series that we've been looking at since September, at God, looking at God's vision for his church. What does Scripture teachers about the church. Uh, And we've explored various different themes, beginning with the the letter S. So we've looked at how church is sacred, that the heart of church is God, and and it is a thin place uh, where we get to join together. We've we've looked at how we are called to be steadfast, in other words, devoted to the things like the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread together. We've looked at sharing, how we are called to share lives together, how we're meant to be committed to community, to traveling together through this life. We've looked at serving, the, the call to serve each other and the wider world. And we've looked at suffering, how the church throughout the ages and across the world has had to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. So sacred, steadfast, sharing, serving, suffering. And today we reach our final S, which is sent. The church is sent into the world to continue in Jesus' mission. And as with each of the previous five weeks, uh, we can't hope to do justice uh, to all that could be explored um, in each of these themes. Each one of these themes could be a whole series in itself. Uh, However, today we're looking at how the church is called to gather on a Sunday in midweek in order to scatter. We are meant to gather, to be resourced and equipped and empowered in order to scatter and be sent into the world in mission. And so turn with me to today's Bible reading, which is Matthew chapter 5. It's found on page 969, 969 um, on, in our sort of church Bibles. And we're looking at Matthew 5 verses 13 to 16. It's going to appear on the screen. Jesus says this, you, he's speaking to the church, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is God's word. Amen. Actually, I didn't realize this, but I opened up uh, the, the Version Bible app this morning. It's uh, had over 615 million unique downloads across the world. And 615 million people potentially read this verse as the verse of the day. Let your light shine. Now, 
in uh, our small groups. We allow our small groups to study whatever sort of resources they find most helpful. Uh, but I was having a chat to one member of a small group this week, and they were saying how they've been covering uh, a, a set of uh, studies put together by the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, uh, LICC for short, London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. So, so what is LICC and what do they do? Well, they seek to help as many Christians as possible to embrace whole life discipleship, which means bringing God's wisdom and grace and truth into every single thing we do. We want to avoid this sacred, secular divide that somehow what we do, maybe serving in a soup kitchen or helping the homeless and going to church on a Sunday, that God's interested in that. But what we do in our everyday lives, well, well, that's just you know what we do in our workplace or, our, or how we socialize. God's not interested in that. But God is interested in that. God's interested in every single thing that you do. And, uh, and the, the LICC uh, wants to help every Christian discover three truths. Number one, wherever we are, we can join in with what God is doing. So whether he's placed you, I don't know, in the school canteen or in the classroom, whether he's placed you on a, on a sports club or whether you clean drains for a living, you know, and, and everywhere else in between, that is important for God. And God has placed you in that environment. And secondly, the tasks that we do matter deeply to God. Whether it's writing reports or whether you're fixing lights, whether you're caring for elderly parents or whether you're caring for small children, whether you're driving buses or driving trains, who we are and what we do has a God-given purpose. And thirdly, we can be fruitful in all kinds of ways. And so LICC have their six M's. Uh, We are called to model godly culture. We are are called to making good work, ministering grace and truth, molding culture, a mouthpiece for truth and justice, and being a messenger for the gospel. And I would encourage each and every one of you to engage in the work of LICC because whole life discipleship matters. We are just as much the church when we are scattered on a Monday to Saturday as we are when we gather on a Sunday. We gather to be equipped, empowered, and encouraged because, you know, the world can be a tough place and we need one another to build one another up. But then, after we come together, we are sent into the world. When I'm at St. Mark's, we always end with a dismissal, you know, go into the world to love and to serve Jesus. We are sent into the world at the end of each service to do God's work. Now, one of the founders of LICC uh, is a former rector of All Souls Langham Place in uh, London. His name was John Stott. Many of you would have heard of the name. And this, these are his words on this passage we've read this morning. He said this, If the house is dark at night, there's no sense in blaming the house. The question to ask is, where is the light? If the meat goes bad, there is no sense in blaming the meat. The question to ask is, where is the salt? If society becomes corrupt, There is no sense in blaming society for its corruption. The question to ask is, where 
is the church? Where is the salt and light of Jesus? Friends, we are sent into the world to be salt and light, to transform society. Listen to how the message paraphrases the, version, uh, the, the, the verses that we've just read together. It says this, Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as the city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, now that I've put you on a light stand, shine. Friends, we are called to let our light shine. Now, before we began our current series, our, 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 the series that we just did over the summer was looking at the book of Daniel. And Daniel, Daniel and his contemporaries were living in exile after the city of Jerusalem had been laid siege by Nebuchadnezzar and had been taken into exile. And as we looked at this book, we realized how applicable this ancient book is for us today as modern Christians living in 21st century Maidenhead. In fact, the New Testament uses time and again this image of living as exiles to describe how we are meant to be in the world, but not of it. How we're meant to live in and alongside the world, which is often at odds against the kingdom of God. So, for instance, in the beginning of 1 Peter, the apostle addresses the believers with these words. To God's elect, he's saying this, who are you? To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces. We are exiles. And then a little later, he writes in the next chapter, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers, that word exiles again, in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. In a world which tells us it is wrong, even harmful or abusive, to tell people to abstain from their desires. Here, the apostle is urging us, as exiles, to live differently, to live distinctively. Not giving ourselves over to whatever our hearts desires, but living in a way that honors God. And we read on into the following verse, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. See how these words echo the words of Jesus. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Friends, we're not home yet, but we're going to get there. And we are pilgrims on the journey, and we're meant to reflect a different set of values to the world around us. Because the world is often divisive, uh, it's dishonoring, it's uh, dishonest, and we are called to treat others with dignity, 
We are meant to work with integrity and to show honor to others. And as followers of Jesus, filled with his Holy Spirit, we can expect to be ever increasingly filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As these fruits mature in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit, a watching world will be impacted. So friends, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. And as light, we must shine in the darkness. And as salt, we must penetrate the meat. We must penetrate the food we're meant to preserve. You know, we must permeate society with practical good deeds and sharing the good news of Jesus. Now, the Worldwide Anglican Church has identified five marks of mission, five things that it senses that we are sent into the world to do. Uh, and, uh, and it uses its own language, but I'm going to summarize these, uh, each beginning with the letter T to help us remember them. So what is the mission of the church? Today we're talking about what is the mission of the church? What are we sent into the world to do? Well, five T's. Firstly, we are to tell others the good news of the kingdom, what we might call evangelism. However, while sharing God's mission, whilst God's mission definitely involves each and every one of us opening our mouths and telling others about Jesus and the good news that he offers and inviting them into God's family, God's mission doesn't stop, I don't know, with the end of Alpha and a baptism. No, it doesn't stop there. We are to tell but we are also to teach. This is the second thing. If telling is about evangelism, then teaching is about discipleship, about nurturing new believers. Because when a baby is born, because that's what baptism signifies, new birth, but when a baby is born, you know, yes, it's exciting, it's something to celebrate, and uh, 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 it's, it's wonderful, but the end point isn't the baby itself, is it? You know, it's about nurturing and supporting that baby, that child, to take its full place within the family, to become whole, to become healthy, to become resilient. We are to tell, but we are also to teach. And thirdly, we are to tend. Uh, An important part of mission is responding to human need by loving service. How might we respond to the needs around us and in the wider world? So I told you these are only flying through them. We could give easily a week to each one of these. Tell, teach, tend, and fourthly, transform. We are not only called to tend to the needs of others. We are are called to address the things that are the root cause of the need itself. It's one thing to support those facing poverty and hardship, but what about challenging the unjust structures of the society, the unjust systems that keep people locked in poverty? You know, there's this parable that some of you may have heard. I'm not quite sure where it comes from because, you know, there's multiple places where it says it comes from. Uh, but, but basically, it, it goes like this. Every day... 
people in this particular village would see children struggling to swim and they're being taken downstream in this fast-flowing river. And day after day, the villagers, when they spotted one of these children, had run out to their banks, run into the river, drag every one of these children out and rescue them from certain death. And then one day, one of the villagers dared ask the question, what if a group of us traveled upstream, found the people that were throwing these children into the river and stopped it from happening? As the church of Jesus, we are called to transform the unjust structures of society, challenging violence of every kind and pursuing peace and reconciliation. Yes, we are to tend to those affected by injustice, but we're also called to challenge and transform the source of injustice itself. Let me give you an example from this week. As you know, we, we are going into the sort of uh, the welcome hotel to support and, and respond and tend to the needs of those there. We're, we're, we're going to take them um, uh, love Christmas parcels that are tailored towards them. We're, we're seeking to tend to their needs. But, but over the last uh, week and a half or so, uh, we, we've, uh, we've been supporting a Syrian person who has been granted asylum in this country. Uh, But because he's been granted asylum, he's effectively off the Home Office's books. He was given 28 days to uh, find a place uh, and to set set himself up for life in this country. But the problem is when this this one particular refugee, uh, uh, well, he's not a refugee anymore. He's got the right to remain in this country. Uh, He's suffering from mental health because obviously his family is been killed and you know he's adjusting to life in a new country Um, he doesn't really speak much English uh, and and basically there's this chicken and egg he hasn't got any money to find a place to rent he hasn't got any references to find a job and so what we've been doing as a church community and and it's not just myself Jeff has been working really closely with him people like Richard and Yaman uh, we've been spending sort of hours with this individual and this is just one individual sort of challenging the unjust structures and, and and trying to be an advocate for him um, with the local council, with, with sort of crisis teams, trying to get him sort of up and, and out because we are called to tend to needs, but we're also called to transform the unjust structures of society because let me tell you, homelessness, because he is homeless right now, homelessness is not a lifestyle choice for this person. Okay, because he is there, he has got nowhere to live, and we are challenging the, the, sort of, the, the structures that are there in order just to give him a foot onto the ladder to, to help. And so we are to, to, to tell, to teach, to tend, to transform, and lastly, we are to treasure. We are to treasure creation to sustain and renew the life of the earth. And all these marks of mission are interdependent with one another. Because if we went to transform the injustice of the climate crisis, which plunges the world's poorest into even deeper desperation, we must also treasure the earth. And if we are to tell others about Jesus Christ and the good news that he he has, we must also tend to their practical needs. As someone once said, people won't care what you know until they know that you care. So these marks of mission are not there for, but we'll do this one, but not that one. They're all interdependent. And as a church, we are sent into the world to be salt and light. 
So whilst this present world is often called a world of information, we want to be a church of application. Uh, How can we live lives as missionaries in our Monday to Saturdays? How can you be a missionary in your Monday to Saturday life? What are some top tips to living as whole life disciples in bringing Jesus into every single thing you do? Now, there's, again, loads I could share here, and some of you will want to head to the LICC website and check out their resources and sign up for their mailings. Um, uh, they, they also post a series of articles uh, called Connecting with Culture, uh, which picks up on the topical stories of the day and helps us to engage in these conversations we might be having at the water cooler or whatever else, or at the coffee shop with people. So some recent articles include sort of Sycamore Gap, How to Respond to Cultural Vandalism, Russell brand beyond sexual consent. Uh, Jordan Henderson, Liverpool Football Club, Jordan Henderson and the goal of integrity or the Barbenheimer paradox. These are just uh, some of the headlines, articles that they've written. But let me share with you briefly to close my three top tips uh, for living as whole life disciples. Number one, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Mission, you see, isn't really an event or a program, although we value things such as Alpha and Christmas parties and other things we do. Primarily, mission is a lifestyle. It's about our everyday rhythms of life, and it's done with the people who fall into your natural network of relationships. Because every single person in your sphere of life, be it the guy that I talk to over the road at Tesco's or the person you grab your morning latte with, every single person matters to God. He has chosen you to live in this time and in this place and he has placed people around you and he wants you to be the difference in their lives. So whether you clean windows or whether you look after elderly parents, whether you work in an office or work in a building site, whether you spend your free time line dancing or watching Maidenhead United at the weekend, whatever you do, whether you're down the gym or down the pub, Jesus has sent you into the communities that you belong to to be a part of his plan. This is part of our vision Our vision, if you've been here before, is to love Jesus, share lives, and to transform communities. And we use that word communities, plural, purposefully, because each and every one of us are members of multiple communities, our vocational communities, our familial communities, our geographical communities. So in other words, like our people who we live alongside, our neighbours, our, our family and our friends, the people who work alongside, people that we meet in the coffee shops and in, in, in the shops. You know, These are all networks which we belong to. And so, friends, bloom where you're planted. Secondly, embrace the story. Over the summer, uh, we recommended a podcast by the Evangelical Alliance called Being Human. And this last week saw the wrap-up of this uh, current season. And the season spanned a variety of topical subjects that help us engage in sort of contemporary conversations, including young people and mental health, uh, to, to class and heritage. And it explored sort of the major uh, cultural stories of secularism, 
of postmodernism and of expressive individualism. And it showed how each of these stories exist within a wider and a deeper one, a good, true, and beautiful story of what it means to be human. And friends, we have a part to play in God's amazing, true, and beautiful story. Because the good news really is good news. It really is good news. Yes, society might be somewhat hardened to the gospel. The society may well think it is happier without the gospel. But the gospel is the better story in which we all find purpose, hope, peace, and our part to play. And so, friends, let me encourage you to embrace the story and recognize it as good news and share that story and share your story because people aren't interested in the facts that you know or we've gone beyond the age of sort of the new atheists. People are now interested in stories. So know your story and tell your story. Why have you got the hope? Don't worry about their big questions. Just tell your story and tell it in a way that is uniquely you. You know, this week I was talking to someone and they were saying about their connect group and how someone always uses wit in conversation. It was something about a West Ham, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, so, so anyway, anyway, so um, West Ham supporters and their place in the kingdom of heaven or something like that. But anyway, if, if, if you're a person that uses wit, then use wit when you tell people about Jesus and your conversations of faith. And, and if you're an extrovert, then, then, then let your natural sort of effervescent personality overflow and be excited about the good news of Jesus. And if you're sort of quieter and more reflective, then speak in a way that is naturally you. God has designed you to be like that. So be gentle and be appealing. However God has made you, share the good news that is in keeping in a way that your personality is made. And so bloom where you're planted, embrace the story in your story, and lastly, be intentional. Be intentional. You know, we only have one life to live, and so let's not waste it on playing around at being a Christian. You know, we are saved by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are exiles in this world, and we're going home. And one day we will stand before Jesus, and before we are called home, we are sent into the world to continue Jesus' mission, to seek and to save the least, the lost, the lonely, the last, and not just those, everyone. God loves every single person. So friends, who are you praying for? Who are you praying for on a daily basis? Who are you inviting to church and to other events that we're putting on? And how are you choosing to spend the few short years we have this side of eternity? So we gather to scatter. And our last S is the church is sent into the world in mission. So let us stand and we're going to pray.